Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Gazinger, my co-host, Brian Leversey, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, right here in the chair next to me, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So we're going to talk culture, current events, maybe some politics from a biblical perspective, going to talk about what's going on and tell you uh, how to think about it, as Rush Limbaugh <laughs> used to say. Rush Limbaugh had a, a, a big brain, and he could do that. But we are going to uh, we're gonna, uh, bring up some interesting stuff going on in the news. Of course, Israel, we'll get into that yeah. later on, and uh, some critical race theory, because this continues uh, chugging along and infesting uh, the education system and the government and so on. And uh, we'll get to that also. Uh, a, a neat little snippet. I'm reading. I'm reading this book. I was just telling uh, uh, Pastor Leversey about it right before we started. The Jefferson Lies by David Barton. Anything by David Barton is a must read. He's good, and uh, he's very good. So this book is uh, about the seven lies that you hear about. Uh, the main. I say seven lies. It's the Jefferson lies. I don't know how many there are, five or six, but they're they're missed. But one of them, uh, we're not even going to talk about the lie. I just want to talk about uh, what he did as president when he oversaw the uh, Washington D.C. public school system. <laughs> this it's should a be great interesting. Story. That doesn't happen anymore. Presidents don't oversee no. uh, public school systems anymore. But uh, Jefferson gets um, maligned and. Uh, uh, aspersions cast at him for being a secularist and a deist. Okay, we'll see how much of that he was. But um, some some uh, some good news in the news, and just in terms of unemployment, everywhere you go, Pastor, help wanted, help yeah. wanted. I feel like yeah. I go through a drive through. I I feel compelled to jump out and help them out inside, Absolutely. serving hamburgers Absolutely. or get behind the register. Everybody needs help. Yeah. And the reason is because the government's paying people more to stay home than to work. Is that Would that be a biblical uh, a principle or would that be not? I, I think the Bible speaks to that. <laughs> if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But we, we make it so that they don't have to work and they can eat and, and provide and you know that it's almost like the 1970s all over again. You know, people are standing in line for gas. There, there's yeah. stagflation like, that's about ready to happen because yeah. inflation's rising, and because they're paying people to be on the dole, people aren't going to go grab you know any kind of mid tier to to uh, start off tier jobs, uh, which really needs to happen for the economy to get yeah. generated and for for wealth to start to flow. Yes. So it's 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 looking like the 1970s all over again. We don't learn too much from our past. Oh, uh, do we, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't learn history too well. The, these 21 states are ending the $300 unemployment benefits this summer. So this mm. is the good news. Good. So the gov- these uh, governors are starting to say, uh, okay, so maybe if we don't pay these people to stay home, they'll go to work, mm. right? And uh, we all have that human nature. Look, if you're going to pay me more to stay home, <laughs> I might do that. I can uh, carry the one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, of the 21 states, West Virginia is one of them. Looks like our governor is going to – 
to uh, do do that also. So these these help wanted signs. Normally you think, oh, good, the, the economy is is uh, uh, booming along mm-hmm. here and uh, jobs are being created. But the problem now is that that uh, these companies, these businesses, they need help. They mm-hmm. can't get people to come to work. And it's it's a it's a real problem. Well, a big problem was too is the hyperinflation of the um, the minimum wage. You know, in a in a way that was unrealistic when they were trying to bring that through and putting a lot of pressure on these small businesses to have to scramble to, to minimum find wage. How to work. Yes, minimum wage. It's axiomatic. Minimum wage causes unemployment because yeah. businesses can't. And it's not the state's business right. to tell a uh, business how to operate, a business how to operate it yeah. the pay scale how much the, how much to pay regulations are generally way uh way overburdensome on, on small businesses so so uh look i'm glad to see these uh states like west virginia are are pulling this 300 dollar uh payment that uh that is, is basically paying people more to stay home than to go to work i remember in the the gas pap pipeline thing it's wild you know yeah. right here in in wood county anywhere in the window high valley gas prices really haven't gone too high mm. but uh i remember <laughs> under jimmy carter mm. i was i was coming of age getting uh, approaching my driver's license age i remember saying to dad am i am i going to be able to drive <laughs> well i get to drive and dad said yeah I, th- I think so which wasn't real assuring but uh <laughs> i mean god gave us uh the, the um he god gave us Plenty of natural resources. Mm. We always, there was a big shortage of gasoline. Oh, is there enough in the ground? God, I, I think the earth continues to, to create oil just mm. by whatever God does with the earth, you mm. know. But there is so much of it that there's hundreds of years of supply. It's just, uh, it's just, can we, do we have the will to get it without, mm. you know, without burdensome regulation, without right. socialism and so on? Um so another story, we're just kind of running through a few stories here. Churches and lawmakers, this is good news too, Pastor. I thought mm. I'd bring you some good news. Yeah, you look I'm like happy. you're a little down this week. <laughs> Churches, lawmakers take part in 90-hour Bible reading marathon. Have you wow. ever read the Bible for 90 hours straight? Have you ever been to one of our church services? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Now that you bring it up, this would be a good time to talk about it. the annual ninety-hour. This is an annual event. Ninety-hour uh, Bible reading marathon will kick off in Washington D.C. Would that be a good place for uh, the Bible to be read? Washington D.C. Do you think they I can't need think of that? A better place? I can't either. Saturday. This is a. This is a few weeks old. I just saw this article. It was May sixth. They did it, and uh, they just get up. This is. Uh, Really, it's really a good thing. It's um, you know you you look at America and we have a lot of problems, but how many how many countries in the mm. world would have a ninety hour Bible marathon yeah. reading? This is the thirty second annual DC Bible reading marathon. So it started at two o'clock on the sixth of May and went all the way through Wednesday. Wow! Two o'clock on a Saturday and went all the way through a Wednesday, and they they, they of course they have. Uh, People take turns and read for a while, and then and uh, goes all through the night, and it, it's a cool thing. So, uh, a little quote from Senator Ted Cruz, whose dad's a pastor, a mm-hmm. Baptist, a Baptist preacher. They came from what Cuba, um, and they were uh, they were baptized in communism over there. So those are the best Americans. Those people that yeah. come fresh out of communism, they know because they the know what it, is. what yeah. happens. Um, so Ted Cruz, 
Oh, made a good statement here. He said, the, I think the Bible's our first most important document we have. And then the second would be our Constitution. And, uh, of course, he said the Constitution was founded on biblical principles. Right. Of course it was. Um, so, anyway, that was the other story. Now, here's a third story that I found. I can't find this in the in the media, Pastor. I was telling you this, but... I did confirm it on the Liberty Council website, um, and this is this is great news. Also, we need some we need some good news. We do. Uh, California churches permanently quarantine Governor Newsom. <laughs> <laughs> I like the flip of the script. Isn't that right? awesome? Yeah, so uh, dog bites a uh, man bites dog yeah. story here. <laughs> Having terrorized California churches for over one year with his draconian. And discriminatory COVID restrictions, Governor Gavin Newsom has now waved the white flag of surrender. Hmm. I love when tyrants have to wave the white flag. In Liberty Councils, that's the organization that sued him, in Liberty Councils' case against him, we have obtained a permanent statewide injunction prohibiting the governor and the state of California, which you, uh, where you pastor for yes. a while, from ever issuing another COVID restriction on any, all caps, church in the state unless the same restriction applies to everyone else. Wow. So this is a great little blog, man. He just basically, here here he, he says, for the thousands of hours that Governor Newsom required us to, to spend to bring him to justice, he is now required to send Liberty Council a check. So this lawsuit comes with money. Uh, so the governor of uh, California, the state of California, has to pay Liberty Council, a great organization, $1.35 million um, in, reimbur- in reimbursements for um, for the pain that they've caused them. And uh, I love it. That's I love great. it when the state has to pay organizations, especially Christian organizations, and uh, anytime the state has to pay, money's power. You know, mm-hmm. it just is. And whoever has it has the power. And when it's transferring from the state to the people, generally it's a good thing, mm-hmm. not in terms of welfare, but right. in terms of a situation like this. The Lord has turned Governor Newsom. This is funny. Listen to this, Pastor. This is, I'll finish with this. <clears throat> the, Lord has t- <laughs> this is great. the Lord has turned Governor Newsom from the number one enemy of the church to the number one contributor to, <laughs> to Liberty Council. How many times in history has God done that in Scripture, too? Yeah, you, you think of Haman in Scripture, you yeah, know, and Haman, you think of— Yeah, I mean, and, and, and uh, it's and when you're ignorant of Scripture, you don't know what's happening to you. So Newsom, he probably has yeah. no, no little Bible knowledge would be my guess. I don't know. But, but uh, you know— the, if you don't know the Bible, you're not going to fear God. Right. And look, God, God's going to keep his promise. You want to mess with him mm. and his people, you go ahead and do that, but there's going to be consequences. That's right. um, so anyway, there's there's the good news. And that this case in California, um, I assume, will have national, uh, national repercussions in a good way. But um, anyway, just want to bring those up. Keep an eye on that. Uh, from Liberty Council, and uh, that- well, I hope that sets a standard for what's going to take place with churches in the future. You know, who knows 
what other pandemics are going to come about or issues. I'm glad we're at least gaining some ground and establishing some perimeters for our freedom again and saying, hey, here, here's some history now that we're building of winning these types of battles legally so that we don't have to, you know, just cater to every whim of, of the government when something like this happens. I think that's a very important point yeah. that, that yeah, this, this establishes a precedent. Yep. This says, look, uh, you can go ahead and mess with the church, but uh, we're going to fight back. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what we did, or they did, Liberty Council. And I'm not sure what church it was. There was they, they named the church. You know, of course, you have to have standing. You have to have been injured to, to take a, a, a lawsuit um, against whomever it is you sue. And, um, but, but there's plenty of churches that, mm. that were harmed and just one had to step up and say, look, we'll sue. And, and they did. And Liberty Council, great organization. And there's a lot like them, the CLA and, uh, um, uh, ADF, um, I think it's AD, I think it's ADF, Americans Defending Freedom and, uh, and others. But, uh, all right, so we're done with the first segment. We're going to talk about, let me look here, Pastor. We're going to talk about Israel next. Great little story. We, we all know what's going on with Israel. They're getting bombed. Uh, they always are the, uh, they are never the aggressor, and they are always blamed for being the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something in the Bible about that yeah. that, uh, that says they will be always blamed. And uh, All right, so you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, and my co-host, Pastor Brian Liversey, right here. We're going to be back. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. This is your host, Mike Azinger, your co-host, Brian Liversey, Pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Vienna. I'm your state senator, and this is the fusion of church and state right here on your radio. Don't go anywhere else because you can't find the fusion of church and state anywhere else in America. We've That's tested right. it. We've been to every city in America. <laughs> Turn on the radio personally. It took a while. It took like uh, several days. Yeah, it mm. did. Mm. I mean, I your tr- car is fast. Well, you know, thank you. It's, uh... <laughs> All right, so we've been watching Israel. Whenever, uh, why is it? Uh, pastor, that whenever something happens in Jerusalem, the whole world watches. Mm. Why is that? Boy, hasn't isn't it amazing? <laughs> just just how God has used this nation of Israel as a focal point. I mean, really, yeah. all eyes yeah. are always on Israel. Yeah, and um, I, was, I, was, I was talking about this last week in Ezekiel, and I, I wrote the verse down. I forgot to bring it, but uh, it's one of the first six chapters. Uh, but God says. I put Jerusalem hmm. in that spot, and I surrounded it with the nations that I surrounded yeah. it with. And I used to, you know, I, you, look at the look at the map sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that little Israel surrounded by all those Arab nations who hate Israel, and somehow she survives. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we know what's going on now. Hamas, uh, which is a, an Iranian terrorist organization. By the way, great little side story on that, pastors. Um, there's a book out that came out 10, 12 years ago called Son of Hamas. And uh, it's by a guy named uh, Musab Youssef. So he was, he's the son of one of the founders of Hamas. I believe there are seven founders of Hamas, this terrorist organization. And he was walking home one day, and a missionary in whatever country it is, I forget, handed him a track. Hmm. He read the track, and 
he read Love Your Enemies, and he thought to himself, only the real God could say mm. that. He became a Christian. That's powerful. And he was a son of one of the founders of this terrorist organization. Wow. And he's in hiding in, in uh, America. Uh, but uh, I had lunch with him and a group at uh, where I used to have my radio show out in Indiana. Uh, so God can do yeah. anything. Just, just some missionary just quickly handed him a track because wow. he probably would have been uh, executed for doing that yeah. in an Arab, in a Muslim nation. All right, so so now um, these uh, these these uh, the these uh, uh, Hamas and these terrorist organizations are firing into Israel, and uh, so here's the here's the story: the uh, faint by Israel, F E I N T, may have delivered a major blow to Hamas. So here's what happened: Israel got on uh, Israel spokesman. IDF spokesman, which is the Israeli Defense Forces. Everybody has to serve in the IDF in Israel. Mm-hmm. I just talked to a guy at a restaurant the other day. He had served in the IDF. Every every male and female has to serve in the Israeli mm-hmm. Defense Force. So the spokesman for the IDF uh, says this. He says, "For it, look, it looks like Israel's okay. This is the first paragraph. For it looks like Israel's pulled off one of the shrewdest military feints since the eve of D-Day when America fielded." Uh, you know, we know what happened on D-Day. Just after midnight Friday, the uh, the Israeli Defense Force spokesman released a carefully worded statement informing the press in Hebrew, Arabic, and English that, quote, IDF air and ground troops are currently attacking in the Gaza Strip. So this is a little bit loose with the truth on this <laughs> because uh, the Israelis didn't actually go into the Gaza Strip, which apparently is 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 uh, not their territory anymore. But uh, the news said they're going into the Gaza Strip. So what this did was this triggered a reaction from Hamas and all these all the terrorist groups who have a they have a uh, a system of tunnels that they use to hide in. So all these leaders of Hamas, all these terrorists. Hide in the tunnels because here they come. Here comes Israel. Right. So they're hiding. Well, Israel knew where all these tunnels were. They had them. They had them. The Israels, of course, are are brilliant people. <laughs> they're just brilliant. You don't mess with them. Look at the map. Right. Look at the sliver of Israel right. surrounded by. Look at they're they're brilliant. Yeah. So Israel's in, intelligence knew where this tunnel system was, and they knew that if they said they were going into Gaza, that they would, all these, uh, the terrorists would go into the tunnels and hide, and all the terrorist leaders would go into the tunnels and hide. And what they do then? They started bombing the tunnels. Hmm. They bombed them and bombed them and bombed them and killed. I don't know how many terrorists, I don't know how many terrorist leaders, but uh, it, was a, it was a fascinating thing to watch. It was, it was a sleight of hand. And they actually, they were, they, they were a little gray area here because they didn't actually go into the Gaza Strip, <laughs> but they were kind of like heading in that direction. Right. And, they said, and they said in their announcement, um, uh, they, made, they made, the, made Hamas think that, hey, here we come. Man, it's like a Trojan horse almost. Yeah, so it is. And um, so heavily fortified facilities beneath Gaza's city cities built incidentally with concrete supplied to the strip as 
international humanitarian assistance. Where does that humanitarian assistance go? It goes to terrorists, folks. So, heavily fortified facilities beneath Gaza's cities serve as military headquarters, transportation routes, and at times um, um, attack venues to infiltrate Israel. Hmm. They use these tunnels for those reasons. Um, except that, uh, so, anyway, let me see if I can just finish this. Uh, th- so, anyway, the Israel had these underground facilities well mapped. The IDF Air Force promptly started shelling the underground facilities. Air attacks first targeted tunnels, entryways, and exits. First, mm. so you're not going, Collapsing you're not going out now. Yeah. And um, they used uh, American bump uh, bunker busting bombs. So mm. these bombs that go way down into the ground, and they destroyed the tunnels burying everything in them so it was a quite a victory i was telling you uh before we got on there there's a there's a story that uh came out in 2010 i think it was and uh iran was was ramping up their nukes like big time um and israel was getting concerned the west was getting concerned america was getting concerned, and they really didn't know what to do, you know, because if you, if you, what, are you going to bomb Iran? They, Israel has no friends except yeah. for America, right? Yeah. So they just are very limited on what they can do. They have the, they have the ability to do a lot, as mm-hmm. we're seeing. But, but, uh, so this is what they did. They recruited a, a um, spy uh, from Europe somewhere, and they sent him into Iran amongst somehow he got in amongst the uh, all the all the uh, nuclear physicists inside there and he planted a a, a virus hmm. into the computer hmm. the virus was called Stuxnet S T U X N E T so this is amazing and there's a great spiritual application to this the virus went into the computer system, and this is what and this is what the virus did. The virus made all the the nuclear centrifuges spin way way faster than what they should, and keep spinning and spinning, and all the while it was telling the 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 nuclear the uh, centrifuges to spin real fast. It was telling whoever was at the computer. Everything's okay. Hmm. No problem. Everything's fine. <laughs> and at, at, and meanwhile, it was telling the center, spin, 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 and it was destroying them. Hmm. While it was destroying these 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 centrifuges for the, I think that's the right word for for these nuclear bombs, it was telling all the scientists, "Hey, it's cool. Everything's fine." Wow. Isn't that isn't that, that is just so the best? cool? Isn't that a great? Uh, that, that, that's a great a, analogy. It is. It, <laughs> so that's how the devil works. You know, yeah, hey, it's everything's fine. fine. We're just yeah, spinning just, out of control. Just do what you. Just keep doing what you want to do. I'm but, surprised you made it through that story without saying fusion one time. Well, I was, I was very tempted. <laughs> the devil was saying, "Go ahead, it's fine. Go ahead, it's fine. Good, it'll work." <laughs> so, uh, so Stuxnet. That's brilliant. 
It's just it's beyond wow. it's beyond comprehension, and that's how they they stopped it. You know, it's it's always sad when uh, these flare ups happen against Israel because Israel's always made out to look like this this horrible nation who's brutalizing these people that are around them, and the the tactics of these terrorists are they they go ahead and they fire their rockets and then they run and hide in their tunnels and expose all of their people in their area to the retribution that's going to happen when you attack another nation. And so I'm so glad to hear uh, that strategic you know, way that Israel handled that with those tunnels and, and just dealt with it. It's amazing how, how God uh, intervened in that. Well, I mean, you think about it just historically, how if you go back in the Bible, militarily, the, uh, Israel, the only way they could lose is if they messed up with God, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, uh, uh, you know, God would tell them what to do, yeah. and these generals, Joshua and whoever, got, got lots of credit for being great strategists. Yeah, if you could even if you could even say that with walking around a wall and blowing a trumpet, yeah, or okay, Gideon so, with smashing some lamps yeah. and and blowing a trumpet, you know, it's God doing the work. God he, does the work. He always tells us, and he tells us today that he will fight our battles for us, and uh, he will if we we'll obey him. He will he will give us the victory. That is right. And why, why try to do it on our own? But, yeah. you know, that's our tendency. But I, I think there's even some modern-day um, events, like, like uh, and, and, you know, because of YouTube, you can, you can watch anything all over the world, whatever, mm-hmm. and you can, everyone's a cameraman now. But um, I remember seeing um, YouTube videos of, of these sandstorms that all of a sudden erupt yeah. in the Middle East protecting Israel and, and – uh, uh, I mean, is, is, am, I, am I right that that God's going to continue in yes. perpetuity protect I mean, Israel? Is there is that true? In the prophecy, we and it's amazing how we see things lining up in in Scripture even right now, where you know those powers of the East and and we see them lining up Russia, China, uh, in cahoots with Iran. They come in against Israel, and, and God puts them down miraculously. Mm. Uh, and there's no other way to to explain it than that it is a is the direct hand of God that protects them. And uh, that may be even something that we see before the Lord sounds that trumpet and we go yeah. home. I'm not sure, but it's sure lining up to be that way. And Israel isn't necessarily uh, – <laughs> they're not on fire for God over there or anything like no, that. No, no, they're not. In fact, they are a lot many times secularists. And, the, you know, we've not entered into the time of Jacob's trouble yet. We've not entered into that final judgment of God upon his people. You know, a lot of people misinterpret this whole action of God with Israel as, as you know, uh, kind of – infused with the church. The church is a separate entity from Israel. The church is a separate entity from, hmm. you know, God's chosen people. Uh, now we're grafted in and the promise has become ours when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But God is still working independently with the nation of Israel. Uh, he's still going to bring them to their conclusion with the final judgment, which will result in many of the children of Israel coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and turning to their true Messiah. There's going to be 144,000 mm-hmm. representatives that are going to be uh, going around the world ministering primarily to Jewish people during the tribulation period, and many are going to turn to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ oh, during wow. that time. So, Yeah, you can't ignore a country that, um, as, I, you know, as we're talking about, that is a little sliver of land in the midst oh. of millions of square miles or uh, uh, or however many square of all these Arab nations from from Africa to you know the Middle East to to the Far East uh, that uh, that hate uh, that hate Israel yeah. 
Um, yeah, I was talking to this this uh, waiter. Uh, <laughs> here's an irony for you. I was at a Mexican restaurant, so I've, I know like five Spanish words, so I use them <laughs> whenever I'm in a Mexican Taco, restaurant. I use burrito. Them. No, Tortilla. <laughs> so uh, Tortilla. I, I, no, it's, it's more it's more uh, complex than that. You need to you need to up your game. Branch out. <laughs> so this guy, so he starts talking Mexican back to him. He's got a mask on, you know, so I can't tell. You know, for all I know, he's Mexican. But uh, it ends up we keep talking. He's he's uh, Israeli. He's uh, he just get, got out of the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, and a lot of times those guys travel. They they just are all cooped up. And he said, you know, you're in Israel. You, there's no place to go. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's one even part of Israel. Where it's it's only like nine miles wide. Can you imagine the country? Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, we all feel cooped up. We've been in the army. We just want to go. And he there he is. Uh, former IDF soldier waiting table at a Mexican restaurant in Parksburg, West Virginia. <laughs> oh, there you go. There is a God. So yeah. anyway, we're going to cut out of here. We'll be back in the next segment. We're going to talk a little bit Black Lives Matter, a little bit about Thomas Jefferson, who was over the D.C. Uh, public school system. How did he act then? This is a fascinating mm. stuff. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show, the fusion of church and state. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We're glad you're with us. All right, so we got, uh, we're got we into our third segment, folks, and had a good talk about uh, Israel. And you mentioned, uh, let's, just, let's just put this in here real quick, Pastor, but you mentioned something when we were off the air about uh, um, what Israel said, if they don't quit if they don't quit bombing them, what are they going to do? <laughs> they said that we're just going to keep advancing in and taking territory, and we're not going to give it back. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Um, so, so all, like we neighbors, said, it all belongs to them anyway. They, yeah, right. They, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Well, anyway, um, there is uh, there always is this fallacious belief, said Alexander Solzhenitsyn. There's always is this fallacious belief it would not be the same here here such things are impossible alas all the evil of the 20th century is possible everywhere on earth so who is solzhenitsyn solzhenitsyn was a russian who uh, was in the military well respected high up in the military when uh, when russia was uh, the soviet union was the communist russia and uh, also in the middle of the night, as they did hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of times, they um, they broke his door down, pulled him out of his home, and sent him to the Gulag. Hmm. The Gulag is uh, this this uh, the Gulag Archipelago is his book. It's about the the prison system in Russia. All these islands, uh, which is which a, what a archipelago is. Gulag's a, simply a prison. And there was islands of prisons all over Russia. Hmm. And he stayed there in that hell, um, along with millions of others, for eight years he was in there. Wow. Wrote a book called The Gulag Archipelago. Very good book. Every 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 high school kid should have to read that book. You want to know hmm. where communism goes? Read The Gulag Archipelago. And uh, you'll find out. And if you think that's an exaggeration, 
Well, uh, read read uh, Mao Zedong's Little Red mm. Book, which was praised by uh, the BLM founder. Black Lives Matter founders video uh, from 10 years ago reveals her founders, her fondness of Mao's Red Book. Wow. Mao killed more oh, millions goodness. than anybody. Yeah. He killed more than Hitler. Stalin yeah. even, yeah. more than Hitler even. Yeah. And uh, uh, so we think that this this – this critical race theory is fun and games. Mm. And like Solz Nietzsche said, there's always this fallacious belief. It would not be the same here. Here, such things are impossible. That's yeah. what we think. Hey, this is America. Yep. We, it couldn't happen here. Right. Uh, so, folks, it's happening here. It's happening here with critical race theory, critical gender theory, mm-hmm. critical social justice. This is Matt Walsh. I don't know if any of you folks know of him. He's a Christian uh, he blogs. He's. Uh, I think he has radio. But uh, Matt, Matt Walsh uh, tweeted this: If the right, the uh, conservatives, capital R, if the right gives up the gender fight, then that's it. Yeah, it's over. Once we've surrendered reality itself, what else is there to fight for? Tax cuts? Isn't that a great line? <laughs> great. I will die on this hill. He says, if this hill is lost, there is none worth keeping after it. Yep. And nobody left to fight for them anyway. Yeah. How about that for a powerful quote? Yeah. He's saying, "Look, if we can't if we can't win in the fight for reality itself, hmm. uh, it's over." And I don't know. I don't know uh, if you agree with that, Pastor. I I that, tend to. That is the truth. I mean, it all goes back, like we've talked about before, to the God's creation and design. Yeah. And the reality of what He has ordained. And when you start messing with that, you're messing with the fabric of life itself. You're, you're twisting and contorting it to the degree where it's meaningless. And that's where you get this, this vitriol and this anger and this hostility and all of the things that uh, probably are mentioned even in this book uh, uh, about the gulags. I, all of this hatred and ill treatment of mankind comes from a, a wrong view of God's creation. And, uh, and we're not battling these battles to, to say a man is a man, a woman is a woman. Um, this is how God designed them. This was God's intention for them. And we try to have some kind of fairy tale about that. Then we're destroying the whole nucleus of, of our meaning in life. Solzhenitsyn gave a speech at Harvard when uh, he got kicked out of Russia after he wrote, wrote this book. And uh, because Russia was at the time was still a communist nation, and I remember that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm older than you are. I remember sitting reading the paper when all these nations, all these communist countries started falling just to gasp. I couldn't believe it happening, but what was happening. But, but uh, so Solzhenitsyn said in a speech at Harvard uh, that Russia forgot God. Hmm. That's what he said, Pastor. Russia forgot God. Look, we, we got critical race theory problems and a million other problems that all happened because America forgot God. Yeah. And not all of America. We still have a remnant. We do. But um, America is becoming more and more secular, mm-hmm. um, and I, uh, you know, I, I believe there's hope for America because I believe that there is a remnant. I believe that there is a, a solid remnant in America, but I don't know how long that will last. But there's a guy named uh, Eric Brewer. I saw this on Facebook also, and he said this, Pastor. I'm going to read these to you one at a time here. Um, my, he said, my wife grew up under the iron fist of the Soviet Union when they were communists. Same time as Solzhenitsyn. Victor David Hansen, he says, who's a, who's a historian, a professor, points out 
the parallels between America today and the former Soviet Union. It's shocking, he says. So here's some parallels that Victor David Hansen, the historian, makes between the Soviet Union and America today. And uh, I just want to read these one at a time, and you comment mm-hmm. as you'd like. But uh, the first one is is inescapable. It's just undeniable. The first one, there was no escape from ideo- ideological indoctrination. <laughs> everywhere you go. They saturate you. Everywhere they, you go. Uh, there's a guy, uh, story that I, I just saw this morning. American Airlines investigating Texas pilot who criticized critical race theory in his local school. So critical race theory, which is Marxism, indoctrination is being uh, – shoved into his local school, this pilot for American Airlines spoke up against it. American Airlines found out about it, and they're investigating him. Wow. Everywhere you go. Number two, the Soviets, uh-oh, here's the word, the mm. Soviets fused. Uh-oh. Somebody's <laughs> Try to brilliant stay on track. here. So <laughs> my eyes glove. The Soviets fused their press with the government. There was yeah. no difference. Yeah. There's no difference. Uh, How about the press today, right? Number three, the Soviet surveillance state enlisted apparatchiks and lackeys to ferret out ideological dissidents. That's a fancy word. Social media today. Uh, Yeah, so the the uh, the state used right. Great points. Used the social media to watch us. Number Mm -hmm. four, the Soviet educational system sought not to enlighten, but to indoctrinate. Um, young minds in proper government-approved thought. Mm-hmm. If it's government-approved thought, it's it's not going to be good thought, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be right. biblical thinking. Number five, the Soviet Union was run by a pampered elite exempt from the ramifications of their own radical ideologies, mm-hmm. which always happens. Whoever gets in power, uh, it's cool for them, just nobody else. Everyone in the Soviet Union wanted a government job so they wouldn't be— uh, pulled out of their apartments in the middle of the night and sent to the gulags. What's well, exactly what took place even during this pandemic with all kinds of restrictions being put on regular people, but it seemed like those that were coming up with restrictions were able to go to restaurants. They were able to not wear masks. They and were able to cash send their, their kids paychecks. send their kids to school. Yeah. Um I I mean I can't I can't you know there was more instances of this than even what came out in the media because the media is was in the pocket of all of this anyway, and uh, and yet there was all these stories of yeah. these elite just kind of doing what they wanted to do. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, the Soviets, the Soviets, this is number six. The Soviets mastered Trotskyization, or the rewriting and airbrushing away of history, hmm. deconstruction. Right. Yes. You always got to destroy history. Yeah. Number seven. The Soviets created a climate of fear and rewarded stool pigeons. Mm-hmm. For rooting out all potential enemies of the people. That's scary. Number eight, Soviet prosecutors and courts were weaponized according to ideology. So you got justice if you believed a certain way. Right. Is that, is that happening in America? Absolutely. You get justice if you believe a certain way. Number nine, the Soviets doled out prizes on the basis of correct Soviet thought. Number 10, the Soviets offered no apologi- apologies for extinguishing freedom of course not so that those are things to watch out for and uh, if you want to read that article it's by victor david victor davis hansen h-a-n-s-o-n he's a great uh, thinker 
and um, a, a great author. But uh, this guy, Eric Brewer, who married a gal from the Soviet Union, grew up under communism, and um, uh, he just outlines them very succinctly. So, hmm. uh, all right, so we're going to finish this segment, Pastor, with um, a little something I found, a, a book I'm reading called The Jefferson Lies by David Barton. Anything by David Barton is a must-read. Hmm. His, his video, videos are excellent. If you want to know Christian history, which is our history, um, go on YouTube, watch yeah. David Barton videos, mm-hmm. read his books. I just happen to be reading this this book on the Jefferson, Jefferson Lies, and it uh, it talks about uh, Sally Hemings. Hey, Jefferson fathered these kids with Sally Hemings, a slave of his. No, he didn't. Uh, Thomas Jefferson founded a secular university. He, he founded the University of Virginia. It wasn't secular. So mm-hmm. anyway, one after another. So I'm, I'm reading, uh, I'm in chapter two about the secular university, and I come across this, this little uh, piece of history. I thought, I, thought, uh, I thought our folks would enjoy it, and uh, Pastor, I thought you'd enjoy it too. Let me just read a couple paragraphs here, because how would, how would Thomas Jefferson, who is uh, Melinda's being, oh, he's the deist of the group, He's uh he's a deist, a secularist. Right. He he had this Bible that he he cut to pieces and created his own Bible, which is another one of the lies. So anyway, in 1805, America was very young in 1805. President Jefferson was elected head of the board of trustees for the brand new Washington D.C. public schools. So this is 1805. Uh, he told the city council that he would quote willingly undertake the duties proposed to me so far as others of paramount obligation will permit me my attention to them. That's uh, 1805 speak, meaning uh, I'll do it as long as uh, it doesn't interfere with my presidential duties. <laughs> they spoke very flower, flowerly back then. <laughs> Robert Brent, therefore, served as head of the trustees instead of Jefferson, but as trustee, Jefferson did contribute much to the new school system and is credited with being, quote, the chief author of the first plan of public education adopted for the city of Washington. So the first plan for the city of Washington, D.C., for the public education system, the public school system, was created by Thomas Jefferson, Hmm. who was then president. Uh, When the first report of the Washington public schools was released, this is the first report, how are the kids doing? Um, uh, so it said this, now this is a, this is an actual quote from how the kids are doing in the public school system in Washington, D.C. under the leadership of then President Thomas Jefferson. So here it is, quote, 55 students have learned to read in the Old and New Testaments. Wow. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Where was the ACLU back then to stop this nonsense? Reading in the Old and New Testaments. Somebody needs to hang for that. 55 have learned to read in the Old and New Testaments and are able to spell words of three, four, and five syllables. Uh, I can do that. What's the big deal? I can <laughs> do six. 26 are now learning to read Dr. Watts' hymns. Wow. Isaac Watts. Hmm. They read the hymns of Isaac Watts in the public schools, Pastor. Hmm. And uh, to spell uh, two-syllable words and so on. Of 59 out of the whole number admitted 
that did not know a single letter, 20 can now read the Bible and spell words of uh, certain syllables. 29 can read Dr. Watts' hymns, Isaac Watts' hymns. So the public school system, under the leadership of Thomas Jefferson in Washington, D.C., in 1805, they learned to read the Bible, and they learned the hymns of Dr. Isaac Watts. That's an outrage! Yeah. It's an outrage. How <laughs> dare they teach these kids uh, the Ten Commandments and the Pentateuch and to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God. Yeah. Uh, what what awful stuff to learn. And what a good example of deconstructionism we see in our country today in these lies about Jefferson to take someone yes. who actually promoted mm-hmm. the truth of God's word in the the secular arena, so to speak, in the public school setting, and then to twist that and use him as a proponent of getting God out of the schools and getting God away from the church and getting God out of the public circle. And that's that's how far deconstructionism will take things. Mm-hmm. It will it will distort, it will lie, it will pollute in order to push a secular agenda instead of really concretely, you know, uh, telling us the truth that we were founded on the Word of God. We were, too. Uh, there is no doubt, if you read history, read David Barton, folks, read Stephen McDowell, read, read uh, William Federer, mm-hmm. uh, these guys who really actually know and put the truth out mm-hmm. about our Christian history. Yep. Look, go back. Uh, how long How long in America did we pray and read the Bible? Yeah. Well, uh, we know we did up until the 19, uh, 1962, 1963, because those were the years, uh, 62 and uh, anyway, two, uh, in the 60s. Uh, those were, that was a decade that we took the Bible out of schools, and we took mm-hmm. the prayer out of schools. One was 62, one was another year, a few years, a year or two after that. Uh, so we know that from uh, the founding or from 1607, the first permanent English-speaking colony um, that where at Jamestown, where they put the cross in the sand, and the pastor they brought with them, 150 men with uh uh, the Reverend Hunt mm-hmm. led in prayer on the beach at Jamestown uh, from that time, 1607 to 1962, the Bible was in schools. Prayer was in schools. Mm-hmm. Now, look what's happened since then. Look at the metadata, uh, and you can find what 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 happened morally Every in America since major then. major cultural problem we have can be directly linked back to the removal of God and his truth from the public sphere. I think you're right, Pastor. All right, so that's it for this segment. And uh, All right, so we're going to be back in the final segment, and we're going to do our our, uh, etiquette. I've got some neat things to add to that, too. Do you? Yeah. I don't even know what number we're on. So we're gonna, <laughs> during the break, we're going to be shuffling through the... The paperwork. <laughs> finding finding all the manners we should and be We out. want you folks to sit up straight out there, <laughs> uh, put your hands on your uh, lap, and uh, pay attention. That what, what number was that? I think number three was uh, yeah, sitting up th- straight. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to get through, I think, 21 through 25. Anyway, all so right. we'll figure it out, and we'll be back. In just a minute, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. Your host, 
host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with Pastor Brian Leversey. We're going into the last segment. Everybody knows what the last segment is. Everyone has uh, called their neighbors, their friends, their unruly ones, especially their friends and neighbors and family members that don't have etiquette, have bad manners, and uh, they've got them listening right that's now. Right. Because Pull them close to the radio. That's right. This is the hour. So uh, this is uh, the Town & Country Magazine article, which I'm not going to scroll up and tell you what it is because uh, it's too it'll take too long and I don't remember what it is so anyway number uh, we're doing the 50 okay I'll do it you all are you I can hear you all out there 50 little social etiquette rules everyone should follow all right so last week we were at 15 uh, we do five a week we were at 15 through 20 and give me a second here folks so real quick. Uh, okay, 17, keep the noise down at work. 18, shake hands firmly. Yep. Get rid of that fish, <laughs> dead <laughs> fish, <laughs> whip fish, handshake, whatever. Number 19, don't bring your smelly leftovers to the office. Number 20, dress for the occasion. All right, Pastor, here's number 21. And, Pastor, you haven't peaked, right? You don't know what these are. I don't know what they <laughs> are. <laughs> All right, number 21, this is somewhere in Scripture, use your turn signal. <laughs> I'm thinking that's Deuteronomy. Do you know how much stress could be alieved if (laughs) you know what people complain? I I could care less, or at least disengage the turn signal when you're done. Yes, okay, that one does. (laughs) 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 Fix your turn signal, folks. What are you doing out there? Number twenty-one is your turn signal. Use your turn signal. Number 22, wash your hands after using the bathroom. Oh, man. You ever seen somebody come oh. out of the bathroom? I'm thinking, I, I, I memorize them visually for the rest of my life, so I'll never shake their hand. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing about the pandemic is you don't have to worry about That's that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this elbow bumping stuff, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, just a tirade on that sometime. Yeah. The, the governor, I was in the governor's, uh, anyway, he's, he's elbow bumping. I'm thinking, okay, whatever. <laughs> Number 22, wash your hands after you use the bathroom. Number 23, park your shop, shopping cart on the side. <laughs> you got to see the pictures with these folks. Uh, shop, uh, park your shopping cart on the side that of the idol. That is frustrating. I remember the, uh, the other day I was pulling into a spot, and you think, man, I found it. It's up close. It's it's meant for me. God wanted me to come to the yes, store today. And you go to pull in, and there's a shopping cart right in the middle. <laughs> and it was raining, so I had to get out of the car, <laughs> grab the shopping cart. Fox's Book of Martyrs will be calling you uh, in, in the morning. Okay, so I, this I get is a crown a, for that. This okay. is actually for inside... Uh, inside the store. Look at the oh, picture. Oh, inside. <laughs> so, folks, the picture I'm showing them has uh, like 50 people with shopping carts. They're all kids. I have no idea. All these pictures that go with – there's a picture with each of these, and they're all like uh, 50, 60 years old. All well, the whether it's, whether it's are inside or outside, don't yeah. block the aisle. Move or the, over, yeah. folks. What are you doing? Yeah. Number 24. Hold on. My phone's good. Ask permission to use someone's first name. Oh my goodness! This drives me insane. This the uh, we we are so relaxed and informal yeah, today, espe- especially kids mm-hmm. that address adults by their first name. It drives me insane. Yeah, drives me insane. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I still to this day, uh, parents that I knew growing up, Mister mm-hmm. and Missus, I, I still can't. Yeah, call them by their first name, and, and sometimes yeah. they'll say, "Oh, call me." You know, I can't. Yeah. I'm afraid to. <laughs> it feels weird. <laughs> it does. I mean, that, when I was growing up, nobody addressed an adult by a first name. Yeah. 
and uh, and I think adult to adult when you first when you first meet somebody, mm-hmm. I think it's proper to use address them by their last name, Mr. Mm-hmm. or Mrs. or Miss or whatever. And as the relationship progresses, then you become less formal, right? And uh, you become uh, you get to know them on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. That used to be yep. a phrase. Um, I know them on a first name basis. Uh, that means you know them well enough to to be comfortable uh, using encroach their that yeah. border. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So number twenty five, clean up after yourself. Is my teenager listening? Hey, is my teenager listening? <laughs> clean no. up. After no, they're not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because they don't listen at home. So why would they be they're listening not to you? <laughs> clean up after yourself. I mean, how hard is that? It's not hard. It's not hard. All right, Pastor. So, uh, etiquette, manners, they're just a practice in self-denial. They are. Yep. It means that you are preferring others above yourself. There you go. But, you know, it also speaks to a pattern of behavior. And, uh, you know, the, the word manner or manners is used in Scripture to really set a tone for how somebody formulated their life. Like, when Paul went somewhere, they would say, he went to the synagogue first because that's where he went to the Jews first, and then he would go to the Gentiles wherever he went to minister. And it said, as his manner was. Mm. It talked about Jesus teaching in the temple as his manner was. And so I wonder what it would be said of us as Christians. What is our manner? You know, yeah. if, if there was to be a narrative of our life, what, what are key components of our life that people attach themselves to because they see us do it over and over again? And are those things glorifying to God or are they not glorifying to God? What is the manner of our life? You know, manners are still important. They say something about who we are. That's a great observation. And, uh, you know, our manners should be uh, rooted in self-denial. You yeah. know, I, 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 can, I can be as selfish as by nature mm-hmm. I'm selfish. By nature I care about me. Mm-hmm. But manners say... Uh, that that's why they're, they're called common courtesies. Mm-hmm. It's a courtesy that you're offering somebody else. You're loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. We we by nature love ourselves. That's how we're born. And I uh, I think there's probably um, you could you could explain this better than I. But there's there's loving ourselves, and then there's loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Am I right on this? Yep. You know, Jesus said, "Love your neighbor as yourself." So it's not right. wrong to. To love yourself, if right. Jesus said that that's how you love your neighbor. Right. The way, you know, I care about me more than anybody else, and so does every other individual. Yes. We know, we by nature, by our fallen nature, we care about ourselves the most. Mm-hmm. And the common courtesies and manners say it's not about you, it's about the other person, right. like you said. And um, uh, so that's what this this little little article is about. Fifty little social etiquette rules everyone should know. So next week we'll do twenty six through thirty. So you folks pay attention out there <laughs> and uh, align your behavior uh, in uh, in such such a manner as would uh, please Town and Country Magazine <laughs> and the Lord. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it very much. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with. State Senator Mike Gazinger, Pastor Brian Leversey, we'll see you next week. I will choose to live.